You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I am Kristen Maxwell, and in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies that you can use to transform your own life. Today, I have the pleasure to be talking to Elizabeth Hamilton Guarino about what does it take to become your best you? And Elizabeth Hamilton Guarino is the founder of the Best Ever You Network. You know, as a trusted leader, life master, life coach, consultant, speaker, and best selling author, Elizabeth has helped thousands around the world to be their best and achieve world-class excellence. She's the author of eight books, including most recently, The Change Guidebook, How to Align Your Heart, Truths, and Energy to Find Success in All Areas of Your Life. Elizabeth, welcome to your superpowered mind. Thank you so much for having me today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited. You do. You really do a lot out there in the world. And um, so it's fun to get to unpack what you're doing and and how other people can start to step forward like that, especially when they feel stuck. So um, my first question is always, what superpower did you uncover as the result of mastering your mind? Hmm. Yeah, Matt. Well, I'm trying. I'm still a work in progress, of course. But I think my my superpower that I really discovered through this whole process was the ability to root in gratitude. I'm a human being who's nearly lost my life on a few occasions due to life threatening food allergies, and I have four food life threatening food allergies on board. And I think that rooting in gratitude, not just a list of what you're grateful for, but true like gratitude on autopilot, where in every moment I practice gratitude, is I think what my what my superpower could be or is. Yes, that is truly um, an amazing um, quality that you would have. And would you say, did you always have that? Or was that something you had to consciously develop? I think I had to consciously develop it because, you know, having nearly having nearly died and then seeing my my father so ill, he was a stroke survivor from 2004 to 2018. Uh, I felt more like a victim, actually, rather than so grateful for everything. And that shift happened in a moment where my dad was in a rehab facility for his strokes. And um, it's a it's a not too short of a story, but not too long of one either. But maybe um, maybe we can talk about that in the next segment. But uh, you know, just those moments make you step back and go, oh, okay, there's a lot to be grateful for here. And it overrides the what's happening. And just to discover that practice. And I put that practice in motion. And it did start with lists of what I'm grateful for until my mind became trained to, to make gratitude a part of me. Yes. And I love that you're saying that because there is this way in which you know, I used to be like this, well, you make a gratitude list, that seems silly. You know, you make a gratitude list, and then two seconds later, you forget it again, and you go back into the complaining. But what they're, you know, more technically, but in a very non-technical way, what they've discovered is if you focus on it long enough, you start to rewire your brain to go that way automatically. (laughs) 
You sure do. Yeah, that that subconscious programming, conscious programming, all that good stuff um, really, really matters. Um, the affirmations and the, the practice, you just it's it's like a sport almost. And, you know, the, the more you practice, the better you become um, and the more knowledgeable you become. And so gratitude is a huge part of of my world. Gratitude is is where I, I live. Yeah, that's amazing. We are going to take a very quick break so we can go deeply into all of these these topics about how you do really, you know, become someone who is rooted in gratitude and they could become their best you. Um, can you let people know where they can find out more about you and your work and your book? Absolutely. Uh, besteveryou.com is probably the best place to start. The book, the Change Guidebook is up there and it's free to become a member. So besteveryou.com is, uh, is where I hope everyone goes. Great. Thank you. Hang on, everybody. We will come back uh, and talk some more about becoming your best you. Hang on. Hi, everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. Are you ready to master your life? Are you looking for more calm and peace, connectedness in your relationships, more clear communication, guided thoughts, and a confidence in your ability to come up with creative solutions no matter what happens? Then join us at our next experience. Go to superpowerexperts.com and get signed up today. Welcome back, everyone. I'm talking to Elizabeth Hamilton Guarino. So Elizabeth, how did how did it become that you became, you know, you started this network of where you're helping people really transform their lives and living their best lives? How did that start to happen for you? Sure. So uh, I'm I'm 52 years old now and a mom of four boys. They're 20, 22, 24, and 26. And all take that all the way back <laughs> when they were younger and I was younger. And I, the whole time they were, I was home with the kids and, and I'd have these moments where I'd be like, you know, I really want to go get a job outside the house. I want to do something else. And, and when they got bigger, of course, not when they were little, but I could see it coming. So when the little one went into first grade, I was like, all right, cool. I'm getting suited up and out the door I go. And I did that. And I worked at, I've always worked in the financial services industry. I went back in and I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> what did I do? And I closed the door after about seven months, you know, of, of being there. I closed my door one day and said, I got a piece of paper out and a pen. I'm like, there's got to be something better than this. Best ever me, best ever, oh, best ever you. You know what? There's people like me who are in these jobs. They don't really want to be in them. They're kind of stuck. They don't know what to do next. All of that stuff. And it just doesn't have to be a job. It could be any area of your life. And chances are, if one area needs fixing, another one does too. And so I quit my job in that moment, uh, came home, let everybody know I quit my job, which was quite a moment in the house, as I'm sure you can imagine. Huh? <laughs> I went up the street and to a friend I knew who did uh, to a friend I know who did graphic design and websites, and I asked her if she could register a domain for me, uh, besteveryou.com. It was available, and we took it, and off we went. Wow. Yeah. That's quite yeah. amazing. That was ballsy. It was. I, in my first book, I call, I call them gutsy, ballsy moves, GBMs. Oh, that's um, really funny. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah that's they, really the world that the word that came to, yeah. to mind. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But that's in Percolate, Let Your Best Self Filter Through. That's a Hay House book that I wrote back in 2014. Wow. That is great. 
Well, so, you know, as someone who helps people, you know, guides people to step into being their best ever you, what, what does it mean for you to, for somebody to be their best you? Hmm. So for me, for someone to be their best you, it means that they are, they are there in their heart, their truths, and their energy are aligned. And that's, that's really where I, where I go with people. And we drift from those places. We drift from our hearts. We drift from our authentic us and, and we, and we drift, our energy drifts. And when we drift our energy away from who we truly are, the actions we truly need to take, and especially thinking from our heart, uh, we're, we may or may not be off course. Generally, we are. And so I help people get in touch with their authentic selves and so forth. It doesn't mean to be better than everybody else at all. Mm. It just means to take a good look at you and do the best you can. Yeah. And, and so what, what kind of things would you say people are experiencing if their heart, their truths, and their energy are not aligned? Stuck, fear, you know, all the all the low vibrational energy things, all those mm-hmm. moments where you don't feel valued, you don't feel worthy, you don't know what to do next. Um, you know, all those all those things where you're wondering, where you're thinking, and so forth. And and you you may have made a series of choices that have landed you someplace you don't want to be, uh, doing something you don't want to be. And I really, when people cross my path, uh, the one thing that I I hope to do is connect them with their authentic selves. Sometimes that's even as uh, like going back to kindergarten you and, and having to chat with people about what did you really love to do when you were a kid? Well, I loved to rollerblade or I love to, to play volleyball or whatever it was. And you can connect adults back to those moments and it becomes pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, and what happens when you connect people to those moments? Cause people are going to be like, well, it's not like I can go work in rollerblading. Yeah, exactly. What happens when that when they connect to that piece it's, of it's, themselves? It's sort of a spark of remembering who you are, remembering your value, remembering your worth, and so forth. And it it just it connects you back so that you're you you remember your brain your brain remembers that's for sure. Uh, whether you know, like for example, I'm 52 years old. I said that once before. Um, I was an old I was a gymnast, a, a competitive gymnast for years and years and years. Am I going to go on a balance beam at 52 years old? No, not likely. <laughs> but I remember that feeling of of winning meets or or doing the my flip for the first time on the balance beam or whatever it is. And and so you know you're capable. You know you you know you you ground people in their power. That's what yes. I really love to do is, is is help people find their power again. Yeah, which is great. And and that's sort of where I think a lot of people go is they feel stuck. Yeah. And it's like, there's no, there's nothing I can do. When they say there's nothing I can do to change, what would you say to that? Oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> uh, I would, I, I, that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book. Cause you know, I felt that way. I'm sure you felt that way before. And yes. I know a lot of people feel that way. You just feel stuck and you don't, you don't really have the answer in front of you. And the path out of being stuck is like this uncomfortable you probably know you're going to grow, but what steps do I need to take to make sure I have the right outcome land? You know, you're just mm-hmm. stuck. And with that, to me, it's like picture like a, a bottle filled with change and the cap on it is fear. And you remove that cap and, you know, outpours all this change and so forth that you need to navigate. And I think that's really where 
what my book aims to do is to really help people learn to navigate change. It so so that my book becomes like a tool in your best life toolbox. Once you learn to navigate change, so much there's so less so less fear uh, happening in you in, within you, and you know it's it's just a way to navigate a little better. Yeah, that's what I hope to do. Just help people navigate it a little bit better than they are. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that, so um, I've got kids, I've got three daughters, not four boys, three daughters um, <laughs> and, you know, going off to school and my parents also moving out of their home into a retirement home. And it feels like the conversation I'm having with people a lot is this is going to be uncomfortable and you're not going to like it part of it. And that's because it's transition and transition is hard. And that doesn't mean it's not, or it can be hard. It's not always hard. It can be hard. And just because you're uncomfortable and you don't like things now, that doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. It's just you're going through this transition phase. Well, yeah. And we're creatures of that comfort zone and changes like that, which I have been through as well, you know, sending each of the four boys off to college, my father passing away in 2018. My mother's now 77 and is navigating some changes uh, of her own and so forth. And so I get it. Those are huge changes. And, uh, you know, navigating them is not comfortable. uh, Often it's, it's difficult, really difficult moments. And so I wrote a process to help people navigate change, whether it's a change you see coming or whether it's one that you didn't you know, want. And the, I think the, the process is, is sort of the same in either instance. And I'm not saying like, oh, you know, we're going to sell my parents' house. Let me crack open this book and see which step I'm on, <laughs> you know, that yeah. kind of thing. I'm saying, I'm saying more to read the book, be aware of the process. and let it guide you to making the changes that you need to make so that you, you, you know, think about the steps involved a little bit better. Cause some people make a quick change and then they're like, Oh boy, you know, I missed step. I missed some steps here and I wish I would have done it differently. And mm-hmm. we, you know, we've all done that too. And so I hope the book helps people uh, really navigate better. I guess I'm just going to keep coming back to that. Um, it's, it's yeah. designed to, you know, once you read it, you can, t- you can even take a change and work it through the whole book, for example. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it'll guide you in that regard too. Um, it just helps you think and expand because, you know, a lot of the times when you're having those types of changes, let's just take parents, for example, because that's, that's one aging parents, <clears throat> aging parents are, sometimes not of like a, a growth mindset. They've got a closed, I don't want this to change point. And maybe mm-hmm. you do as well. And so when you're sitting with all together and everybody's like, well, I don't want this to change ever. Uh, that's a tough spot. And actually where we've got to go with that is his open hearts and minds to achieve the best possible outcome for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. Yeah, we- yeah, and when you say open hearts and minds, what does that mean? It means you. It means if everybody says, "Well, I don't want this to change," guess what? Everybody's going to be pretty stuck and doing the mm-hmm. same thing. So something, eventually, something will change, and you, that might be out of your control. So, hey, do you see what I mean? You know, some mm-hmm. things change all around us all the time, and so if you if you have an inkling that something needs to change. Um, the book can maybe help you get ahead of it. Right. 
Yeah. So that you're not reacting, you know, the, the, there's change and then you're like, oh boy, we're scrambling and we're reacting and we're responding and so forth. And then there's change that you can kind of see coming, but you can kind of p- plan in quotes <laughs> for it and, and so forth. Um, right. Yeah. It, it, you know, again, aging parents is a really tricky one. We, we, we are going through that and it is maybe heart wrenching. There's, there's ocean on top of it. There's pain, there's struggle, there's, there's just a lot of change there that you don't want to see uh, happening and um, it's tough. Yeah. It's been a very interesting process. And, you know, for those of you listeners who don't have aging parents, just, it's also a very good, it was a very good way to look at what happens with people. Because for example, with my parents, they start there in their eighties and they were starting to get the house was too much that they've been in for 50 years. And and my my dad ended in the hospital for a couple of months. And it's like, okay, well, we can either move them proactively or we can wait till there's a total emergency and scramble to yeah. deal with 50 years of stuff and, you know, moving. And maybe you can go and make, you know, if one of them is left and then there's no friends. And so it was like, no, let's move you so you can go make friends and have a community and not be so isolated. Yeah. And yeah. And it was hard. But yeah, we were being proactive. Yeah, it's it's almost paralyzing in a way to some extent too. It, it can be if if the parents don't want to cooperate or you know yeah. there's there's a lot going on there, and it's it's heart paralyzing as well because you know at the same time at the same time you're trying to navigate all these things. I'm just speaking from just pure you know my own experiences too. It is really heart wrenching to see your parents get sick and or you know, yeah. get old, get sick, have to move out of their home of 50 years. It's your home too. The whole thing just aches all around. Yeah. And um, and you know, the books I've written about change are really written from that perspective of here's what happened to my dad, here's what happened to our family. And the stories are woven in um, throughout both of the self-help books that I wrote, um, both Percolate and the Change Guidebook. I talk about my father dying in the last one. My father died and I, I kind of continued the book on from, from there. And um, just, you know, I had a, a really interesting conversation with my mom uh, through, you know, after he passed away, she needed her own surgery and so forth. And just, it's it's really tough to navigate change, especially with your your parents. That's, that's it's, yeah. it's hard, yeah. And, yeah, well, and even yeah. with the kids, and I guess that's so. <laughs> yeah, part of, part of the change process. One of the things that I don't think people like to think about is that there is there's a grieving that goes along with the positive change. Yes, you're moving like my kids going off to college. Oh my gosh, that's amazing, and they're going and being you know doing amazing things. Yeah, and there's grief because that stage of life is over and they're never going to be, it's never going to be the same. That's me. You know, I hold on to that. I want it to be like this. I love it like this. Yeah. Um, and really recognizing, yes, this is sad. And yeah. I'm sad. We recognize, I recognize grief a lot in my books. And again, it, grief is paralyzing. If you don't move through it, mm-hmm. um, you can be stuck in grief. And I, I totally was, I, I admit I admit in the change guidebook, I was completely stuck in grief after my dad died for about a good year and a half, just mm-hmm. absolutely like, I don't know what to do. And then the, our dog of 14 years passed away on top of it. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. And my head went in the Doritos bag and off we went, you know, kind of thing, <laughs> just completely stressed out and sad. 
And so, you know, we have these moments, no matter who we are or what we do, and um, navigating them takes people around us to recognize issues, recognize um, that we need help, recognize that our lives are changing. What am I going to do next? I've always had so much laundry to do. What am I going to actually do to fill the time of not having to do four loads of laundry a day or whatever it is? Right. And and you know, I've I've put so much energy into our four boys and their lives and their Christmas concerts and their you know their sports yes. and their everything. Okay, that time is is you know they're off. You know they're 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 got master's degrees now in some cases. You know, and so they're they're not going to come back in here. Well, sometimes they do. I'll admit it with all their laundry. Yeah, yeah, but for the most part, yeah, <laughs> they're not going to come back in here and and live with us again. And so things have really changed and. Those are big moments to navigate. And what I what I love about the Change Guidebook is we talk, we actually talk about these specific issues right in this book and how to navigate them so that you have value and worth and your self-worth, because we've wrapped it a lot of it up in kids. And what are you going to do? And you know, some people have maintained um jobs with their children, some people have stayed home, some people have worked part-time. There's all sorts of scenarios that go with all of this, whether it's parents, kids, yourself, or any of it. And um, so there's a lot of nav- change to navigate. There really is. It's, yeah. you know, who am I going to be? Who do I want to be? What yeah. is, and sort of that sort of brings me to, um, you know, one of the things you talk about around purpose, you know, what is the purpose of life or what is my purpose and finding that you know, whether it's been a job or taking care of kids, you know, how, how do you, you know, what, what, how do people go about finding their purpose? purpose. Yeah. That's, that's another one. Um, You ask great questions, by the way. Uh, You you know, your purpose, your purpose is when you're, when you're, I think anyway, one, one trick I have for that is when you're completely quiet, if you can quiet your mind down and think about what is it that you really love what is it that you really love to do? Chris, I want to ask you, what is it that you really love to do? Even if it's baking cookies or weeding the garden, what is it that you really love to do? Well, I love those, but really what it is, honestly, I think it's learning. I just love to learn. That's why I ask questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And I'm the same way. Like I love one of my passions in life is to write. I love to write. I love it. Absolutely. My other one is networking people. I love to I connect people to each other. Um, so I, I, so you take those things and you're like, okay, with, with that, I love to, I love to learn. That means you're probably a pretty good teacher too, because you got a lot of knowledge in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you take a look at what somebody's gifts and their unique talents and skills and abilities are, even if they're unknown to that person at that point. You, know, you might have somebody like I'm. I have. I had somebody in my class. I said. I'm, I'm pretty good at everything that I do, actually, except for these two things. How do I bottle all this up into something? I'm like, that's a cool problem to have, actually. <laughs> most, yeah. people, most people struggle to find one, two, or three things that they feel really like they're, that, that they could teach or talk about on stage or, or anything like that. Um, and so it's back to what I was saying is it's, it's really important to think about what makes you, you, and be authentically you. We spend mm-hmm. a lot of time. Um, a lot of, you know, not all of us, a lot of, I think actually I'm going to, I'm going to retract that. I think a lot of us spend a lot of time being who other people want us to be. Mm. 
who somebody, whether it's somebody has said for you to do that or um, thinks you should do that or whatever, or you spend time trying to please other people being what you think they want you to be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yes, I get it. We have those moments. But being authentically who we are is what the world needs more of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really is true. And, and what I also find is that we have so many um, conceptions about who we are mm-hmm. from how we've grown up. You know, oh, these yeah. ideas of, oh, I'm not good with people or I don't fit in with groups or, you know, we have these ideas with, that we learned when we were so young that are so not, can be so not true. Well, all it takes is one adult in your path to tell you something when you're a kid, to have it stick in your head forever. forever. I, I, I go, oh my gosh, I, I have been, I've been going through this with our four boys in their twenties. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the twenties are tough because you, you no longer have the ability as a mom to bubble wrap any part of them. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, to the, you know, back it up even to probably 16, you didn't, I, I don't know, maybe even 13, but you know what I mean? It, it, they're having their own lives for sure. But even in their twenties, people say such gosh, darn awful things to people that I've had my mouth drop like three or four times in the past six weeks. Like what did somebody say? Mm. And you just want to call up that person and go, <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of thing. And like, what happened to you that you're saying that to a 20 year old? Really? You know, kind of thing. I mean, my kids have yeah. had things said to them, like, you're not as good as you think you are. Oh. Um, oh, just terrible things. And the past few, few, it's just been kind of happening lately, you know, and I, I guess that happens, you know, you experience in life. And so I've had to have the remember your value, remember your worth, remember who you are spiel. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you try to not let life eat at you, but unfortunately people are unfiltered and uncensored and they say things to other people that are is just not thought through before they open their mouth. Yeah. It may it never be to your child, but unfortunately, you know, it, it can be. It can and, be. Yeah. And, and is, I mean, we've all been, we've all had that happen to us. I think where an adult has said something to us or another person or another child has said something to us. Like when I was a kid, I I've always worn glasses since like third grade. I've been tortured for wearing glasses for, uh, you know, all those things to the point where even to this day, sometimes I'm afraid to take a picture of me with my glasses on. Isn't that That's funny? Silly. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. yeah, I was almost legally blind. I was so I am nearsighted. Blind. Yeah. Oh gosh. I'm yeah. like negative nine in each eye. I was and like I, minus 12 and oh, then I had LASIK it, when it was, a, it it was a miracle. Yeah. I like to say in the jungle, I would have been eaten by a tiger. <laughs> I, say, I say I would have died on the prairie. Yeah. Um, that's funny. That People is really comment. funny. Yeah. But, you know, so we we have these things and, um, you know, we, we do have some tools, though, in our best life toolbox to change that those things, you know, that, that get said to us or that we, they're kind of like false beliefs in a way. Yes. It's like, oh, no, no. You know, a lot of people wear glasses, you know. And thank good, you know, what I do is I'm like, actually, I'm so grateful for glasses because without them, oh my goodness gracious. And so I've really flipped the script on that. But um, when it happens to our youth, it, uh, you just hope it doesn't get absorbed. Yeah. And it, it does, it's shutting down, but it's a lot of, and that's what, you know, that's a lot of what I do because it's like, why, you know, and these behaviors don't make sense. 
These beliefs don't make sense. And there's a part of you that knows, like, I am amazing. You know, I always say like 95% of you can be so confident. And then there's that 5% of you that's like, no, people are going to find out that I'm really not. And those are usually the old past pieces, which I, it's like a puzzle. But yeah, there's nothing worse though when you're trying to achieve something. Like even when I started the Best Ever You Network, a guy called me and said, you know, I want that domain. And I'm like, well, sorry, I've got it. And he's like, well, I own everything best, ever, best. And, and so best ever you is technically one of mine. I'm like, mm, no, not really. Like, no, no, not really. It's not. And he said, you're nothing but a washed up soccer mom. You're never going to be anything, blah, blah, blah. And in that moment, I'm like, wow, I can take that in and believe it. Or I can go. I said to him, dude, my kids don't even play soccer. And I hung up. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It takes that. It takes that kind of confidence too, to, yeah. What are you going to let in? I can say this to people and I'm okay. It's okay for me to go this sideways. Yeah. What are you going to let in versus, and and say to your children too, you know, what, you know, what are you going to let into your mind? And Mm -hmm. if, if something doesn't resonate with you, put on your personal filtration system and shove it back out, out into the world somewhere else and don't yeah. let it take up residency in your head because um, you don't want to go believing that you're not as good as you think you are or something like that, because that right. fuels success. Yeah. And you may not be, you know, the world might be like, Oh no, really, <laughs> you know, stop already. But if you, right. be, you know, I, I, I have a list of a lot of rejection letters with my books a lot. And can you mm-hmm. imagine if I stopped and said, Oh, I better not write that. Well, the book I just wrote, the Change Guidebook, then it wouldn't have won the International Book Award the other night. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. But you know, it's those moments where I'm like, okay, no, I believe in me. Yeah. So, yeah. So how do you keep going? You know, because that's the thing is when people are doing things and starting things, they often don't work or they don't get results or, you know, how... You seem like you're ballsy. Like you might just have been born ballsy, but (laughs) maybe, maybe not. But what do you do to keep going? How do you characterize those, what other people would call failures to keep going? Well, again, it's, it's what your vision is for yourself. And I think one of the things that I do is I help people all the way back in the beginning of a process of change, create a vision statement for themselves and really root in that vision, believe in that vision, listen to the vision statement and so forth. And so from assessment all the way to implement, there's 10 points of change that I believe we go through as human beings to make a change or deal with something unforeseen. And so in that process is this trial and error period, you know, where it's like, okay, I've, I'll just, I'll go with weight loss. You know, I've tried to, uh, we have clients, you know, they've tried to lose weight and they come to you and they're not successful in their weight loss and they're bummed. It's like, you know, I've tried everything and then nothing works. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you feel like that, or you've tried this, that, or another thing and nothing's working, or you're not getting the results you want, then come to the change guidebook and start at page one and start reading. And I, the book will help you craft a vision statement for yourself that will help you stay on track and get the results that you need. One thing that I see when people are trying to make change, like transformative, cha- any kind of change really, mm-hmm. is they try to do too many things at once. You especially see this around New Year's. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, the New Year's rolling around. I'm going to be this new me. Here I am. I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to grow five inches in height, you know, or whatever. <laughs> right. Just ridic- ridiculous things happening all at once by you know March 15th. I'm going to be a new me. And 
unfortunately, it, boy, if, if you're a tenacious soul, you know, maybe. But for the most part, most of us stop with that because we've set such ridiculous expectations of ourselves that by about February 14th, we're fizzled out on the whole thing. And so this book helps you stay on track. But it also helps you make smaller changes that ha- that compound and have more lasting results. Yes. So, for example, if if you came to me and said, "Okay," um, if a client came to me and said, "Okay, I need to lose fifty pounds," I would say, "Okay, we're going to sit on that for a little bit. We're going to do some assessments. We're going to do some things here." And then what I do with people is I add. I don't take away. You don't want to be the person taking away people's pizza or caffeine, (laughs) you know what I mean? You don't want to be that person when they first meet you or anything. So I add, I'm like, okay, don't do anything different. Let's add something. How about we add a lot of water? You keep everything the way you want it to do, whatever. And when you do that, things just sort of naturally drop off. And then I'll say, okay, we're going to hold that change for like six weeks. And then I'll say, okay, we're going to make another change. In addition to all that water, guess what? We're going to add a cup and a half of vegetables to your diet every day. Mm. And I add and add and add. And eventually I take away a little bit when they're used to me. But if you meet somebody, you're like, guess what? We're going to take away your pizza, your cookies, your caffeine, your coffee, your, you know, people are like, whoa, too much. Too much, right. That's what we do at New Year's, for example, or, um, you know, whenever we want to make changes, we go, okay, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Okay. Tomorrow I'm going to start the start the day running. I'm going to run ten miles. I'm going to, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's just too much, and we burn ourselves out. Yep, and then our resistance comes up. Those things oh, yeah. of I it hasn't worked in the past. It's not going to work now. Why should I even try? Yeah, yeah and that's and the brain training that yeah, goes on with it. Yeah, like, it's like your body's moving to take an action, but your brain isn't caught up with you, or vice versa. Usually it's one of those two things. And that's, and that's why it's really important to align your, your heart, your truths and your energy so that everything is, is firing on, on the same page. Yeah, it is really true. And that's why, you know, they talk about making tiny changes, incremental changes, right? If you want to start exercising, well then go walk one minute every day, just one minute and the thing that's so funny is it starts to work because you start to see yourself. You be, start to get this identity of I'm someone who goes to walk every day. And you remember and you you get this success of, look, I get myself out the door every yeah. day. And I love that. that That's such a switch yeah. in the idea of change from what there was before. Yeah. And, yeah. and for you lifelong learners out there, where I would take you on the journey is, okay, start to think about the ways that you've helped other people with your knowledge. So like your, your comfort zone is learning. So to, to expand your comfort zone, we're going to turn it and, and have you think about like five ways you've been helpful to people, five ways mm-hmm. you've helped other people, you know, things like that to expand your knowledge. Cause I'm going to guess uh, people would really love to be around somebody who values being a lifelong learner. They have things to teach. Yeah. Thank you. That, and that's such a nice, positive way to look at yourself. And I guess we need to end because we've been going for quite a while. How fun. Thank you. I'll leave with that. Thank you. Um, Can you remind people again, where they can find you and your book? And I know you've got exercises and, you know, it's a really interactive book. 
Yeah. So the whole book is a masterclass in change. It's narrative, two exercises and two stories in each chapter of the book. You can go to besteveryou.com forward slash change guidebook. There's a free gift there. You can download all the exercises if you don't like to write in books and you can become a member of our network. It's totally free to, to join with the Best Ever You Network. Great. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And listeners, it is, I'm so glad for you. Thank you for showing up for yourselves. Uh, you can come check us out also at yoursuperpoweredmind.com to see what we've got going on with the community at Superpower Experts, um, ways to connect in with people on the same and similar track. And until next time, go out and remember that you do hold the power to change and transform your world. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 